For decades, it was a tradition built in rock. Wow. It's the celebration what up, what up, what up? of humanity. Oh my God, it's amazing. The best. It sets you free, and when you dance to it, You know, it got to the point where people wanted real music from real people and real songs from real people. Real people. But somewhere along the way, it became just another casualty of financial restraint. And let's be honest, let's be honest. apathy. Now, now, let's do it. The Mojo Radio Show is bringing it back. Welcome to Rocktober 2016. A 31-day celebration of all things Mojo. From the boardroom to the bedroom. The biggest stars from the stage. Hey guys, this is Malcolm and Joseph from the Decades. Hi, this is Ivor Davies from My Thousand. To the theatre. Dr. Charlie Teo, welcome to Rocktober. And the big screen. This is Dave Fletcher from Pirate Life Radio. You listen to the Mojo Radio Show. Plus, all the trimmings you'd expect from the rockingest month on the calendar. Stand by. Rocktober continues. Yes, sir, it does continue. Welcome to week two, folks. Week two of Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. Hope you're getting into the Rocktober spirit with our show. If you're liking what we're doing here, please share it. Help someone you know who could use a little shot of Mojo. Introduce them to our little show. It helps us. And in the words of last week's special guest, Tate Fletcher, if you're wanting to be of service to us and your friends, the community, the world, the planet, the universe, head to iTunes, leave us a one-line review. That is gold. And uh, for those that do it, there could be a cool reward just for uh, doing it. Just saying, just saying, but more on that shortly. So to get us in the saddle and ready for a big day of riding here at the Mojo Radio Show, Robbo, uh, welcome to week two, mate. I'm still reeling from last week. <laughs> I've got to say, you know, I have listened to that interview with Tate Fletcher, week mm. one of Rocktober. I've listened to it twice. Mm. And I had four pages of notes the first go around and I added to them again over the weekend. Mm. I've got to say, folks, if you haven't heard, if you're brand new to the show, welcome to Rocktober, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Do yourself a favour, go back into iTunes, download last week's episode with Tate Fletcher. If you're a regular on the show, you heard it, I would recommend going back and doing it again. Now, what I do with shows that I love is I hit save. On the right-hand side of your screen, there's a couple little dots. You hit that and it has a little button called save episode. That means you've always got it. 
And I often go back and listen to the shows that I love a second or third time mm. just to get the gold out of it, mate. But uh, well, it was mate, full on, wasn't it? Yeah. And the other thing I think we need to do is release the adults-only version of that interview because there's plenty that hit the cutting room floor <laughs> that probably wasn't quite appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't hold anything back, does he? He you doesn't, get... does he? No. You, what you see is what you get. Yeah. What you see <laughs> is what you get with that guy. Absolutely. Straight up. In fact, I don't think we've ever had a guest yeah. that's dropped so many truth bombs. No, no. No, the beat button's worn out on the console. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> now, uh, before we get down to the exciting news about the rewards for reviews, mm. uh, big news today from iHeart. What's going on? We're up on iHeart Radio. Yeah, we're playing with the big boys now. That's pretty serious. iHeart's a pretty cool brand. For those of you who don't know, iHeart Radio is uh, is a place where you can go to listen to all your favourite radio stations in America and around the world. And just a few months ago, they've actually added podcasts to their stable. And we're amongst them. The Mojo Radio Show is playing with the big boys. So not only can you go online and listen to massive stations like Kiss in LA or Z100 in New York, <laughs> you can also tune into the Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> to drop a name. Just to drop a name. Just to drop a name. <laughs> Hello to all our friends at iHeart. If you're out there, is there anybody out there? That's right, indeed. So, um, so yeah, glad to be on board. That's great news. Now I'm going to show you how to make radio. For this, you'll need high-fidelity stereophonic sound. And also a bit of music. And then, of course, Mojo Baby. Yeah! Here's one I made earlier. It's Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. Now, we have got another big week of Rocktober coming up. We're going to speak to our really, he's a good mate, actually, and uh, I'm proud to say he's a good mate of the show, Marco Mendoza, the bass guitarist for the Dead Daisies. Yeah. We're talking about kicking habits, sobriety, staying the path, and it Mm. it really is a very emotive and very inspiring speech with our good mate. And uh, before we get to that, we've got a, a segment that we started a little while ago, guys, and it's because we figure that when we lose somebody from the planet, some of the greats, we give them a week of tribute and then suddenly our lives go on and we tend to, in some cases, forget them. And we've brought back a segment called Gone But Not Forgotten. Rocktober remembers. Gone but not forgotten. So who you got in mind this week? I've got a guy in mind that inspired me to quit my job some 20 oh, years really? ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, true oh, story. Bruce Stolder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Too many lines. That was his problem. Probably, probably inappropriate. <laughs> um, no, this guy um, was in a movie and... I saw this movie a number of times and it inspired me to quit my job and join the speaking circuit because mm. he was a school teacher and I wanted to do what he did. He was teaching Vietnamese adults how to speak English and I thought, well, that's really fulfilling. I loved his style, his manner and the, just the sheer joy he got from doing it. However, I don't think mm. me and teaching no. or the institutional realm that is teaching would get on very well. So rather than going to schools, I decided to teach grown-up, grown-up kids. And uh, so Robin Williams and Good Morning Vietnam was that movie that inspired me to quit and do what I do today. So um, 
As a tribute, gone but not forgotten, here is Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Former President Eisenhower, actually cartoon character Elmer Fudd. He was quoted as saying, Thank you, America. It was fun being president. <laughs> also, Gina Lola Brigida has been declared the Italian National Mountain Rage. Thank you, Gina. Look out. Look out. I don't show while we're waiting, and if who can tell me who sang the song My Guy? Hi, where are you from? Uh, Boston. Boston, you know who sang the song My Guy? Yeah, shit, I can't think of it. And thank you for playing! Yeah, shit, I can't think of it. That's right. You don't win the case of fish balls and lizard testicles. Thank you for playing anyway. Here it is right now. Hey, what's your name? Patrick O'Malley. Oh, 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 Miley. I don't know. I'm just so happy. I'm oh, 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 Miley. Good for it. Good for it. I don't know. It's the Irish boy. I'm just a full of semen. I haven't gotten laid yet. I'm sitting out there. I'm the Catholic boy, and I don't know when I'll be getting laid. I'm just going off to Vietnam. Where are you from? From the village, New York. From the village? Well, nice to have you here. Nice to have you here in Vietnam. Obviously, you just said, well, fuck it. I'll join the army and deal with people in green. A special thing to do. Hey, what's your name? Jimmy Wilkes. Jimmy Wilkes. Where are you from, Jimmy? I'm Austin, New York. Oh, two boys joined together. <laughs> hey, he said, well, I got drunk, man. All of a sudden, I went for a tattoo. Next thing you know, I'm on a fucking truck. What happened? <laughs> wow, baby, I don't know what's going down. But you're both from New York. Nice to have you here. Like, you're just, like, hanging out. You're headed north. Where are you going to? Not drink. Yeah, you got to be careful, Jack. That's some heavy stuff up there. That's like Newark after dark. You got to watch <laughs> That's some heavy shit going down, baby. You feel like George Wallace campaigning in Harlem. Hi, have you seen my face? Get your ass out of here. <laughs> you got to watch it. What type of music do you like? You like, uh, you like Little Anthony? You like Little yeah. Anthony? Oh, I like James Brown you know, better. You like James Brown better? Yes, sir. And the Stones. Oh, you like Mick Jagger? Mick Jagger, right. Do you think he looks like a photo negative of Little Richard or Mike Crazy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that uh, hair guy. I think, I don't know. All right. <laughs> man. I don't know where the, oh, my God, these lips, my God, they're moving. I'm going to flap my eyebrows today. <laughs> Look out, I'm singing, everybody. I'm singing. Oh, get out of here. Watch out. All right. My favourite recollection of Robin Williams and only because I've got a very loose connection to it. Um, but Happy Feet, the movie, was done here, and Robin is outstanding. I mean, just a voice, but when you say just a voice, you talk to anybody closely connected to that movie, and they will tell you that they firmly believe that that movie would have had nowhere near the success it had without him and his voice and his interpretation of script and everything else that comes with Robin Williams. Well, I can tell you from marrying someone who was very close to the set, mm. my wife actually worked on Happy Feet. Mm. Um, with George Miller and the Kennedy Miller production team. And mm. I quite often would sit down with the production team and have coffees and hear about it. And you're exactly right. He was an enormous talent. In fact, if you want to, mate, if we've got a second, I found a little clip from our, our favourite interviewer, which is Parky, Michael yeah. Parkinson. Mm. He had a quick chat to Robert Williams just about the character Ramon from Happy Feet. Hang on one second. You, you should qualify that. Parky didn't have a chat. Robin had a chat because nobody <laughs> nobody really interviews Robin Williams. He interviews himself. Parky <laughs> introed him and sat back and just laughed. That's but right. Way you go, Robin. Wind him up and let him go. <laughs> here is Robin talking about 
some of the characters and how they came to be. And uh, it's just a lovely tribute to just a great comedian, a great guy, and certainly someone who brought so much joy and laughter and smiles to us all. Did you have to do a lot of research on penguins? Not at all. No, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, you watch one nature special, you realise they move like this, and it's like... <laughs> and then basically you realise even Chaplin's going, all right, it's mine, right? <laughs> And that they swim, they're beautiful when they swim, and uh, they, uh, they mate for life. Well, not for life, at least till they find another nice bird. <laughs> and uh, with the emperor penguins, they're about, we're about that tall, and the Adelis, which are about that tall. That's why we wanted to give them like a Latin American accent, so to make them like this, you know. So they vary, you know, to talk like this. And I tell you something, uh, come close. Not that close, okay. <laughs> You want to make them, you know, that they are small, but with the penguin size does not make a difference, if you know what I mean, you know. It's how you work the beak, you know. <laughs> On a cold night, you want to be nice to someone, to someone, the right person. I, or, you know, with a bird like this, you know. And with a little pecker, you have to work fast. <laughs> <laughs> the beak, you know, the beak, you the know, beak. I see, do you know what I'm saying? And uh, I found out today from the Norwegians that one in every ten penguins is gay. <laughs> I don't know how they did that. Did they play some Peter Allen? And if the bird went... I'm sorry, sir, it's a gay penguin. Sorry you can't stay in this nest, my friend. I'm very sorry. I have to move on. You're worried about gay penguins now. Oh, no. What are you doing? Decorating. I've arranged the pebbles as best I could. I don't know. You know, mate, I firmly have to say that in my lifetime, and I'm 47, I would have to say that without a doubt, the passing of Robin Williams was the one event that I've mourned more than anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. Just a, a sad loss. Just an outstanding light in terms of not only humanity, but just talent and everything else that comes with it. Yeah. Well, he's gone, but he's not forgotten. Absolutely. Not on this show. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Andrea Burke from the Canadian National Women's Rugby Team. I love the Mojo Radio Show and happy Rocktober, everybody. This week's show is about sobriety, but I think what people should remember is that take the lessons that you're going to learn from this interview and put them towards your own bad habits, whether it be eating the wrong foods or not exercising or even focusing on getting your good habits going. Yeah, it is. I mean, Marco Mendoza is is probably a, a story that's not dissimilar to a lot of other rockers that find success, end up hanging out with the wrong people going down a dead-end alley and end up in a very dark place. Mm. But it's the principles, to your point, are the same with no matter whether it's an addiction or you're just stuck. Mm. That's why we found Marco so interesting. And it, we've had him as a guest some time back when he was on the show with John Karabi when they were touring with the Dead Daisies mm. uh, early on last year. And we spoke to the boys then. They are on tour with Kiss. And we sort of started on this route with Marco and we were so intrigued by it we wanted to get him back on the show now to give you some background folks 
Marco Mendoza is a bass guitarist in his own right. He plays his own band. But he's also played with Thin Lizzy and White Snake. And he's now playing with Dead Daisies, who are an international rock band. It's, a, it's like a music collective. Mm. And they're currently touring with Kiss. And they're just about to do their own tour of Europe and the United States. Fantastic band. They're one of our favorite bands. So we were privileged to have a worldwide exclusive to launch one of their singles off the Revolution which is the French Revolution album. <laughs> and we're delighted to have Marco back on the show. Marco, welcome back to the Mojo Radio Show and Rocktober, mate. It's good to be back. We, um, we're doing this uh, quite a lot. It's great. It's just at home now. Well, oh, there's another I've line for the say. promo straight off the bat. <laughs> I missed you guys. The Daisies are currently on the road. We've got you in Cleveland. What's the um, what's the latest news for you guys? How's it going on the road in the U.S.? Um, to be honest, I mean, we're totally, all of us are overwhelmed at uh, the reception. Both of the album, Make Some Noise, it came out August 5th, and we were in Europe during that leg of the tour, and we finished in Zurich uh, a few days later, and on our flight to the U.S., uh, to Chicago, we... Uh, we kind of got the news from management that, you know, what's going on, the status on the on the album, and it's just, it's overwhelming. So we're all kind of like uh, swimming in that vibe right now. We're all digging it. We're, we're, we're starting to feel, uh, to notice the fruit of our labor, you know, if you will. So we're happy, and the shows here, obviously, you know, with kids, you can't get bigger shows than that. So we're playing, we're playing in front of a lot of folks, and the reception's been over the top, the signings after the show are out of control. It's like it's we have to cut it, you know, and we're running out of posters. We're running out of uh, swag because people are showing up. So it's great, man. We're enjoying, uh, we're enjoying this run. You said uh, before we started recording, you talked about being on the road and you said, you know, as the band, you're working really hard. You're pretty fried. How do you, how do you manage to keep your head clear? Because each day... You've, you've got to deliver, haven't you? I mean, you've got to deliver on a radio interview or a publicity or talk to a fan or let alone hit the stage and entertain these massive crowds. H- how do you personally keep your head clear? Oh, for me personally, and I can only speak for myself, you know, we've, we've talked about this topic before. I, I really owe my, my sanity to sobriety. <laughs> for me, it's, uh, it's something that I can't imagine doing this amount of work, to be honest traveling as much as we're traveling at the age where I'm at, you know, 49 and holding. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't imagine being out there and partying and, and like I used to because, it, you know, it would be compromised. So I, to be honest, I try to eat right. I'm juicing a lot. We're actually going to do a piece on nutrition for the Facebook Live thing, uh, talking to Oliver Halfin, who is a photographer and videographer. He's documenting everything on the road. Uh, he saw me doing it a couple of times. He says, no wonder, he says, he, he was full of compliments. No wonder you look good, man. You you, uh, you know, you're, you're, you keep your weight, you're trained, you're active, you're positive, you're... Uh, I said, yeah, you know, nutrition is a big part of what I do. So I juice a lot, you guys. I juice a lot on the road. When we have catering, uh, that's one of the uh, the things on my rider, personal rider, when I can get it, is a juicer. So they brought a juicer at uh, catering, and I do that first thing when I get to the venue. I juice a, a bunch of stuff, whatever's available, and um, 
and take a big old glass and I'm not kidding you, man. Within 30 minutes, my eyes get clear. I feel alert. I feel energetic. I feel optimistic. I feel uplifted. It's, uh, you know, um, it's amazing what nutrition will do. And um, I've always had an issue with sleeping, you know, uh, since I got sober and it's been a long time. So I try to to listen to my body, you know, and I take naps whenever possible. If it's even an hour, power naps. You've heard of that. You know, I do yeah, yeah. that whenever I can. I've learned to take naps, um, uh, 30-minute naps, where you just maybe not go deep in sleep, but you just meditate. You close your eyes and you rest, and you get rid of the whatever energy you've got, and you re-up, you know. I, I've learned how to do that. So I, I exercise to try to work out a little bit. Since I had my knee surgery, it's been a little cumbersome to try and uh, get to the gym, and I've been doing it. But just to be aware, you know, the bottom line, again, it's a long answer to a short question, but the bottom line is you start getting older and our lifestyle is not conducive to the typical nine-to-five, you know, pattern. Um we're constantly going and then we stop and then we rest. So you learn how to just stay away. For example, today it's a day off. We're all kind of staying away from each other. I went to the rock and roll, uh, rock and roll hall of fame, took a few shots and, uh, did a couple of things for Facebook live and, uh, came to the hotel. I got a massage. You guys have been there when I, I'm getting massages and went to the gym for a couple hours and uh, here I am talking to you guys, going to have dinner and maybe see a movie. I take it really slow, you know? I, I try to take care of my body as much as I can. You have, we have only one. So. Yes, yes, it's a standard issue, isn't it? That's it. It is. But it's interesting, Marco, because we met you in Sydney and you are in great shape and there's actually no, no doubt you. about that. And, uh, in fact, I think I saw some shots of you in the... If I told you my real age, people would probably go, wow, you don't look this day over 80. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you what, I... I had, I'm, I'm feeling old. I had my first kidney stone the other week, so I'm with you. I'm, I'm, oh, did you? I'm feeling it, Oh, yeah. my gosh. I've never had one, but I've, seen, I've had a few friends. I'm actually, funny enough, today is Gene Simmons' uh, birthday, and um, that reminded me of a situation with, uh, with Gene. He was passing, I, I want to say, five kidney stones or oh. five oh. at the same time on the road. Oh, no. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, and I re- that picture brought a lot of memories back. So I remember I was up there with Ted Nugent. We were, it was Skid Row, Ted Nugent, and Kiss, and there was a farewell Kiss tour back in 2000, 2001, you can imagine, 15, 16 years ago. And uh, the guy was in so much pain, but uh, I got to give, I got to take my hat off to him, man. He's another cat that's sober. He never drank. They never fell into the drug-induced lifestyle. Uh, they were, you know, they they focused on what they were doing, and you know, a lot of credit goes to them. And they've they've accomplished some amazing things, and they built an empire. You know, forty something years later. It's interesting hearing you talk about your sobriety. I want to dig into that a little bit, and also hearing about yeah, Gene the lifestyle he has led with such an iconic band. And we know that the influences around a rock band on the road, whether it be backstage, the parties afterwards, Gene, Uh to not go down that track, for you now 
to be 20-odd years down that track. How, how, uh-huh. do you, how do you say no to it? We'll talk about the, the moment where you decided to make a choice and change. The ongoing basis when temptation's there, how do you and or a gene or anybody who's going through your, how do you build that backbone to say no? It's, it's a lot of courage. And, and honestly, Matt, I pray a lot on the road. And whenever I feel a little weak, like we do, we're only human beings and we get beat up, you know, physically trained or whatever. And um, I, I pray. I really pray for the strength and the focus to stay away from them because I don't ever, ever want to go back to where I was, you know, back in 1986, 85, when, when it was hell. Literally, it was hell. I was living, I was barely existing. Mm. Uh, and so for me, what works is uh, I stay accountable. I talk to other alcoholics and, and uh, other addicts, and especially in our environment, in our business, there's lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I say that respectfully. So I'm not judging them, I understand, but I'm exposed to it. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Mm. I'm exposed to it on a daily basis. I see what it's doing from the outside looking in, and I don't ever want to be that person inside that that uh, vicious circle, you know, because that's what it is. It's a vicious circle without an ending. To be honest, Gary and Bravo, I don't, I don't want that that drink, that glass of wine, as good as it may sound. You know, I want to share a cup of, uh, you know, of cheer, if you will, you know, during a toast or whatever. I think about the consequences. What a mm. glass of wine is going to do for me is, uh, is open the door, if you will. It'll open the door mm. for me to start thinking, well, you know, I did a glass of wine next week. I could do a couple of glasses. I was okay last week. And knowing my personality, it would be a matter of months, if not weeks, where I'd be like, okay, now I'm doing a bottle of wine. Why don't we uh, do a couple of lines, you know? And believe me, it's out there. When you're looking for stuff in our business, it's everywhere. You're surrounded by it. So I do, uh, I do um, stay away from it, you know. And also, I don't put myself in situations where I could be compromised. There's a saying in the 12-step program, if, if you don't want to get a haircut, don't hang out in the barber shop. You know what I mean? Because sooner or later, <laughs> you're going to get a haircut. See, our, our problem with that, though, Marco, is you've got to have hair to have a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I still have some, but uh, that's another thing. We have a flag. I'm flying the sobriety flag. Dope fiends, alcoholics, and drug addicts fly a certain flag. And again, I don't mean to be judgmental. Far from it. Let's just say that I have, I've learned how to recognize those flags, mm-hmm. and I stay away from those flags because I just don't want to be compromised. Listen, I go out with my wife, we go out to parties, and my wife is, uh, she got the training, you know, as a sommelier, she knows a lot about wines and champagnes and all that, and she appreciates it, and I'm sure I have her wine and all that, um, and I appreciate that she, uh, that she has the discipline to, you know, have a couple of glasses of wine and that's it. My story would be, I'll have a couple of glasses of wine, I'll drink the bottle, your bottle, their bottle, and then go get a case. And uh, and then get an eight ball to balance it out, and then after that I'll get some needles and start uh, doing some smack. You know, that's just my story. So for me, it's a constant video that I play in my brain. Uh, my story, you know, when I got sober, I wish I could take credit 
for making that decision. But I, my life got really out of control. It spiraled down to the to a place where I was facing 15 years of penitentiary, jail time. You know? Marco, let's go back to that day. It's 3 p.m., September 20, 1987. You, uh-huh. you made a choice to surrender. And yes. I think anybody listening to the show, it's not just alcohol or drugs, but it's food or it's stress or it's anything, any addiction people have got that they want to make a choice and change. I'd just like to know about that moment. What's it mean to surrender and what do you think is the first step for someone to take? I am the firm believer that the 12-step program was the biggest tool that God put in front of me so that I could get sober. And the first step in the 12-step program says, uh, you know, we admitted that we are powerless over alcohol, drugs, people's places and things, and our life has become unmanageable. And I saw, I know it sounds like a cliche, but after a while, as you start paying attention to these steps, you realize that it's true. You know, every time, um, every, every time I had any kind of situation that was compromised, I was facing jail time or was in some kind of trouble or getting or OD in or, uh, you, you know, suicidal or whatever, because it got into that point where I was just existing to get under the influence of whatever. Um, that's, that's what that step meant to me, that I, be, I became powerless over um, the circumstances. And so once you know that, then you start realizing that the healing begins, you know. That's the hardest step, you guys. The hardest step for anything, for, uh, for anybody to realize that uh, the time that out of control is to understand that, that we really have lost, uh, you know, that we don't have any control over it, that uh, it's amazing. The biggest symptom that I had is I always had the feeling that I could stop on my own, that I could quit tomorrow. I can quit. I'm just going to do it today, and tomorrow I'm going to start. Tomorrow I'll be done, and I'll go through detox and all that, and I'm going to stop drinking, and I'm going to start doing drugs, and I'm going to get my life in order and all that, only to realize that I couldn't. But that's a constant thing in your head that keeps telling you you are under control. You are under control, you know, and that's the the biggest symptom of uh, being, you know, being uh, under the influence of of alcohol and drugs. Um, I came to to the conclusion that that my life was out of control. I was facing the court the next morning um, and I was facing 15 years in the penitentiary and my life, as I knew it, had come to a screeching halt. And everything that I thought I was and I thought I wanted out of life disappeared. Uh, so that scared, that scared me. It really scared me. I was in my mid-20s and it's like, wow, what happened to the passion I had for music, for life, for this, for that? It was mm. like, and I broke down. I really broke down. I started crying and I got on my knees in my cell and I prayed. Um and for me, you know, God, God, I believe in God, and I surrendered to him, and I said, God, show me the way. I'm done. I can't manage my life. It's out of control. Give me some science and, uh, you know, surrender to to you. You know what's best for me. I don't, I've lost touch of that, you know, so I've lost my, my way. From that point on, the next morning, I, don't, I think I didn't sleep 
the whole night. I was just nervous. I'm, you know, just the thought of going to jail for 15 years, you can imagine. It's like, wow, your life ends mm-hmm. pretty much, you know. Uh, so I went up, up in front of the judge, and uh, like a miracle, man, I was sentenced to this uh, behavior modification place in Pasadena, California. I was given a last chance. I said, the judge said, he says, Mr. Mendoza, I'm looking at your rap sheet here, and everything, every time you've gotten in trouble is because of your alcohol and drug abuse. We have places that, uh, if you're ready for it, we'll give you a chance to get your life in order and all that. And so I was sentenced to that place, but I was put in formal uh, uh, probation, which meant they could test me any time. I was put under medical uh, care for antibodies, which is alcohol blocker, uh, and um, uh, also an opiate blocker that was administered daily. So even if I decided to go out and do heroin or any kind of opiate, I wouldn't feel the effect. Uh, Trexan, it was the name, name of it. I think they have a new name for it now. Mm-hmm. But it was an opiate blocker. And antabuse, if you drink when you're under the influence of that, and when you take antabuse, you freak out. Your body just freaks out. So let's just say that God took over my life and made it possible for me not to continue that life, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I humbled myself, and I just broke down, and I started taking direction for the first time in my life. I started listening to other people that that had five years and ten years of recovery, and um, and this place is full of them. All the all the counselors were recovering addicts, you know. Mm. So these guys were in there with you know five, ten, twelve, twenty years of sobriety. So there was a lot for me to learn from, and uh, there was a lot of hope. And they inspired me. You know, they gave me an opportunity. To, to think for a minute that I could achieve, you know, one year of sobriety, two years of sobriety, five years. Because up, up to that point, it was impossible. I had no no hope, none. I was gone. So, yeah, I got on my knees and I prayed, man. What does it mean to accept yourself? I mean, I remember talking to you at the Harley Davidson gig in Sydney at Fraser Motorcycles. And backstage before yeah. the gig, you talked about dropping to your knees, surrendering. And the word you yeah. used was, I finally accepted myself. What what does that mean for you? Well, accepting myself was back then understanding that I had, that I, you know, I, I was powerless over alcohol, over drugs, over my life. I had fallen on, under, you know, I, I fell out of control. I mean, I just, I had no saying in what I did. I was under the influence constantly. From that moment on, my life changed in a big way, obviously, and it's been it's been great. Um, not to say that I'm perfect, not by a long shot. Mm. I have issues today. We all oh, do. Don't, don't, we, don't we all, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> don't stop me. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We're all human beings. The difference, the difference is, and this is what I share when I speak in these rooms, the difference now is that I don't go drink over issues. I have to face myself. I accept myself with all my shortcomings. You know what I'm saying? I understand what my weaknesses are. I understand that I need to work on this. So I'm a work in progress. I'm not pretending to be something or somebody that I'm not. I accept myself. I, I know that sometimes I'm very goofy. I'm a funny guy. I'm stupid. 
I'm good at certain things. There's a lot of things that I'm not good at. I and uh, and I'm as insecure uh, as anybody out there. The difference is I, I'm okay with that. Do you see what I mean? I'm okay with with all my faults and my weaknesses. So I pick up myself in the morning when I wake up. First thing, I wake up in the morning and I'm alive. Wow. I woke up this morning at the Ritz-Carlton in Cleveland on one of these the biggest rock tours of this year with kids. <laughs> what else, man? How, you know, I have a great wife. I have great kids. I have a great life. My kids are are just uh, blowing up, man. They're great human beings. I have a great life. I pick up the bass. I get up on the big stage and play to thousands of people, have a good time. There's so much to be grateful for, you know. Hey, Marco, can we, um, can we just get you to record that for the, uh, for the promo? Could you say, <laughs> I wake up in the morning in Cle- the Ritz-Carlton in Cleveland. I'm on one of the biggest rock and roll tours of the year with Kiss. I get to pick up the bass. But what's really great about today is I'm about to talk to Gary and Robbo from the Mojo. Could you, could you just do that for our promo? Because that, that, be, that could be the greatest no, promo of the done. year. Listen, honestly, and I'm not bullshitting you in any way. I really enjoy my talks with you guys. I love talking sobriety. I love talking about where I've been. Yeah. I really, and not in a self-centered way, because I know that there's people out there that need to hear this yeah, story. That's right. Yeah. I understand more pronounced now than ever, but it's hidden. You know, it's almost like the, the problems become bigger, but we learn how to just tuck it away so we don't see it, it to keep it off the radar. Mm-hmm. Right now, all these reading on this, man, kids are strung out on opiates, prescription opiates more than ever <clears throat> because they're easily to get to, you know, and opiates, pharmaceuticals are worse than street drugs, 10, 20 times stronger. It's like... Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, man. And I, if, I, if anything, if anybody that's listening to your show, one person can say, you know, there's hope for me. That's his, this cat that's playing with the dead days. He's out there. He's got a decent career. He's doing what he loves to do. Um, he he kind of has his life in order, or some, some of it anyway. Um, if he can do it, I can do it. And I'm here to tell anybody out there that's listening that there is, you know, there's numbers, all kinds of numbers. Reach out. What's the worst that could happen? You talked about removing yourself from the situations where you might be tempted. And I'm sure now, yeah. this far down the track, that's easy. But in, in the beginning, that must have been difficult. I mean, it's easy to say, okay, I won't go to that party. I won't go near where my dealer lives or I won't go to the pub. That's easy yeah. to say, but... How do you center yourself in that moment where temptation's there? What, what's the actual physical process you go through? I have a lot of respect and fear at the same time for the pain that I went through. Um, I see it around me. Some of my colleagues, people that I work with, the environment, I see what it does to them and how I see how it's com- they're compromised. You know, They're not at their full potential because... They were hanging out last night and doing shots and doing this and doing that and, uh, and and struggling with waking up in the morning and having to be productive, you know, whatever it is that you're doing in life. I try to remember the day that I was, you know, that moment when I got on my knees and I asked for help, how much pain and how hopeless and helpless I felt. I felt like a freaking zero, man. 
I felt like it didn't matter what happened to me anymore. I had given up hope, complete hope. I was like, whatever, you know, I was waiting for something to happen. And I hate to even say this, but, but, the, but the fact is that I didn't have the courage to blow my brains out, you know, because I knew there was something, there was some hope, a tiny glimpse of hope that I could probably get out of it. So that's what I think of. Do I ever want to compromise that? Yeah, it's pretty heavy. But I have, I mean, I could get into, I could get into some more visuals with you guys. Uh, and maybe that'll be another show where we could go a little deeper. But let's just say, think of the worst things that could happen in anybody's life. How low you can steep to do whatever you need to do to get money or to get, you know, stuff that you could shoot up or drink or smoke or whatever. Um, I was willing to do anything. And I did. The thing is, you have to be very careful. I've lost gigs and I've lost tours because I was flying the flight too hard. So, <laughs> so I've learned to, if you know what I mean, you know, yeah. um, there, let's just say there was, there was bands in the past that you kind of, you were kind of expected to partake in whatever was going on. Can I camp there for a second? Speaking of bands like that, I, I'm a big fan of Aerosmith. Steven Tyler, Joe Perry once talked about... Me too. Yeah, and then they they talked about the alcohol. I mean, they were known as the Toxic Twins. They uh-huh. were heavily into drugs and alcohol. But what Steven Tyler said, in fact, it may have been Joe Perry said it, that <clears throat> although at the time it was rock and roll, it stole the creativity from the band. And known as great songwriters, they couldn't actually write anymore because they were so messed up. You've said the writing yes. process evaded you for such a long time. Was that yes. all part of it? Or was there something else that stopped you from writing? Yeah, it was, but also it was because uh, my role, you know, as a bass player, when I, first, when I first got sober and I went to L.A., I wanted to get involved at any capacity. And, and in other words, I wanted to just be a bit of a whatever, for the lack of a, a better uh, phrase, I wanted to be a session guy because there was opportunities there. I had burned a lot of bridges. I had a bad reputation. Uh, and I came to L.A. and I knew a lot of people in the industry and I got some help from a few brothers, you know, uh, that, that helped me get back on my feet. And they saw that I really wanted sobriety and they kind of helped me a little bit here and there. And uh, so I was okay with floating around, doing sessions, recording, doing little gigs here and there. I did quite a few, you know, some pretty cool ones. I don't want to start dropping names, but quite a few people I worked, I came in as a session guy. I would do little tours, uh, recording on certain albums, blah, 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 background singing, this and that. And I was okay with that. So the, the the writing process was something on the back burner for me. I was writing a little bit. Um, I was starting to get in touch with my emotional uh, side and my spiritual side and uh, and started to, to be a little more creative and healthy. And I put my project together, my solo project, and that started doing well. And that's when the writing process began. But every time I got hired, for example, I got hired by Thin Lucy, you know, they had a massive catalog. And the reality was is that they weren't looking for writing. They, they weren't looking for new music. They were looking to just play 
the catalog to what people at the audience wanted to hear. So, uh, you know, that was in 94. Before that, I got involved with Blue Murder, John Sykes, and he had all his writing. He's very particular about that. He wants to do the writing and the singing and all that. And so I got hired as a bass player and, and background singer, which is fine. So I, uh, the, the answer is I stayed busy as a bass player and as a background singer, and I was happy. So, yeah, the writing thing came, came later as I started getting a little more time in sobriety and getting in touch with the fact that, that I wanted to do it. I'm at that point right now where I have to do it. It's something that I must do as an artist, as a creative person, uh, and I'm constantly writing little ideas. When you're writing, Marco, do you see a lyric, feel a lyric or feel a melody, or do you hear it in your head? Like, do you journal? Like, how, yeah. how does the process start for you? It comes in a lot of forms. You know, being a bass player, uh, you're kind of limited when you're, when you're writing riffs on the bass. Not limited in a bad way, but, you know, you can only do what you can do. Uh, most of uh, the complete songs come out of either a keyboard or a guitar, you know. But riffs, I'm always, you know, like all of us, we're always coming up with little ideas, riffs on our instruments, and then we develop it. On the lyric side, on the, on the singing side, there's hooks, you know, that come up. Melody lines that choruses, you know, hooks that are great phrases, you know, and you write them down, uh, so that you can develop them in a, at a later date. You know? So I have, I was going through some stuff before I went, went came out on this tour with the Daisies, and I have actually two drawers full of cassette tapes, dats, A-dats, CDs, uh, <laughs> little ideas. And I mean, and if, uh, if the opportunity comes, which it will, for me to do another album before the year is over, I'll go in those drawers, I'll open them up and start listening. It's a process. And whatever catches your fancy, your melody, your instinct, you grab that one. Okay, that one's good. And the other one's good. And the other one's good. I did that with Richie Kotzen on my Let's It Tomorrow album. We got together one day and I brought, I don't know, a bunch of ideas. He had a bunch of ideas. and, And we picked, you know, the usual, the 11, 12. A couple of the songs came spontaneous they started happening on the spot and you get into the vibe and you just develop it you know uh but for me in particular there's there's no pattern it it just happens you could be flying a lot of a lot of things come up when you're flying because you have a lot of downtime and you're relaxing and you get into that zone where you're you're half asleep and you're relaxed you know and all this stuff starts playing in your mind you know uh, so you pick in, you pick little pieces, little sayings that people said. I heard an interview with Family Man, who played with Bob Marley and the Whalers, and Family uh, Man said that bass guitar was the buckbone. He called it was the influence of reggae. What do you think is the influence on rock and roll? If bass guitar is the influence on reggae, what's the influence in your mind of rock and roll? It's guitar. I mean, for me, uh, the main thing is guitar. Um, uh, the bass can move around, you know, the root, the root chords. And the bass is part of the foundation, you know, the rhythm and the harmony and all that. But, but the best songs, in my opinion, were written on, on the guitar. A good song will stand 
you know, like us, we're doing a lot of TV shows, acoustic TV shows. And, and we'll go out there with a couple of acoustic guitars and sing and play. And a good song will, you know, will stand anywhere. It will work under any circumstance. And so the, the bass can, can do so much. It'll give you the root chords. It'll give you the harmony, the rudimental stuff. But the guitar and the colors, you know, the keyboards is what takes it somewhere else. The lead melodies, the 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 lead vocal, you know. But you'll talk to a lot of people that do writing and, and some of the more progressive, more advanced writers, you know, established songwriters, they don't have a pattern. It just happens. It's like inspiration. It's almost like you have to be aware uh of what's going on around you, you know, emotionally. Some some of these songs are emotionally inspired. I I in my opinion, my best songs uh, come out of, you know, my emotions, you know, when I'm really just writing out of the heart, you know, what I want to say, something I want to express, whether it be about love, about being, feeling rejected, about, you know, feeling like there's no end or be feeling hopeful or full of, you know, positive energy or whatever, optimistic. <clears throat> when, when things come out, when lyrics come out of the emotional side, it's you're being honest with yourself. And, you know, and sometimes it, uh, it's received that well. You know, people understand that, identified, you know. Are they usually the songs that are received well by the public? Like, if you, if you, if you write I, a song I, from the heart, does it, do, you, do, you, do you pretty much have a gut feeling then that that's going to be a, a hit? Sometimes, yeah. But, I mean, but, but there's a lot, a lot involved. I mean, there's a lot of logistics involved, you know. You've got to be at the right time, at the right place. You have to write people playing it to the right audience. Uh, but a good song is a good song, whether it's, you know, whether it's heard by 20 people, 50, 100, you know, I play in little clubs, two, three, 400 seaters. And there's two or three songs that people really love and they request, you know, when I'm doing my solo stuff, same thing with the daisies, you know, there's two, three, four songs that people really, really dig. And, uh, but nobody knew in the writing process that those were going to be the favorites. Marco, can I take you back to your very early days living with your yeah. grandmother in Tijuana because you admired your grandmother and you always speak very highly of those years with your grandmother. Is there a lesson that your grandmother in Tijuana, Mexico left you or? There's so many. Absolutely. She, she taught me how the meaning of working uh, towards something, the, the work ethic that I have today is, it comes directly from those years with her that I spent with her. She was a piano teacher. She believed in structure and discipline and and work, you know. You can't achieve anything in life if you don't work for it. You got you can want something, but if you don't work for it, it's not gonna happen by osmosis. You gotta work, you gotta earn it. So and my father was the same way, you know. My father was like uh he was a net uh um, Army Air Force guy, WW2, and, and he had a lot of old school, the old way of thinking, you know, old schoolers. It's like, uh, you got to earn things in life, you know? Uh, so that was the biggest lesson. Seemed, and I, I apply it now to the business I'm in, in, in music and music business. Even now, it's almost like you have to work 10 times the amount to get half the results of what we used to get, you know, 10, 20 years ago, because that's what it is right now. What would be the biggest thing you'd like your kids to take away from your life, Marco? What would you hope would be the biggest gift that you leave them? 
Uh, to understand, to find your way in life, to find that one thing that you're really passionate about, whether it be whatever it is, and if you're lucky enough to develop a skill that will bring you fulfillment, joy, and uh, uh, and years of, of uh, enjoyment and the rest of your life, like music. I was very lucky. I found music. And it hasn't been an easy road, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it has its downsides, like, you know, for me going through the drug and alcohol thing. But today, it's like I wouldn't change it for the world. I love what I do, the passion. I wish for my kids that they find something that they believe in, some, you know, and find their direction in life and be the best human beings possible and make a difference wherever they go. A big shout-out to Johnny Depp and Alice Cooper and the guys from the Hollywood Vampires who are big listeners of the show, long-time listeners of the Mojo <laughs> Radio Show, Marco. And, oh, uh, thank you guys they, for having us open up for you. That was a great opportunity. Thank you so much. Yeah, they, um, you know, they're always on the line to us, particularly when they know Rocktober's coming up. But um, <laughs> I'm interested to know your perspective. I remember seeing Alice Cooper on the big movie screen when I was a kid growing up, um, you know, the master of macabre. I'd be yeah. interested in your, your view that you are out on the road with some of the biggest rock bands in the world. When you stand backstage and you see someone like Alice Cooper doing what they do in terms of their art, what what do you admire about Alice Cooper? What are your impressions? What are your takeouts? What are the lessons you take from a guy like that? I still do. Alice Cooper was the first show, live show, live concert that I ever went to. I was in Tijuana, and uh, some friends drove. We drove across the border, and we went to San Diego Sports Arena. That was the first show I ever went to, and he left such uh, such an impression on me. I saw that and I'm going, wow, that's amazing. The, the artistry, the music, his, uh, just uh, inspired me to, to uh, maybe even consider the music business, you know. Uh, and I became a big fan to the point where we even did a play about his music um, and, uh, and back in Mexico. Um, and, uh, so every time I see him, like, uh, saw him with the vampires, it's just amazing, man. It's how many years later, you know, uh, no doubt that that guy has gone through so much in life and it reflects on who he is as an artist. It reflects on, uh, you know, in him showing up and giving 150% every time he hits the stage, uh, he, he's just amazing. Uh, you know, guys like Kim, guys like, uh, Tyler, you know, and also you put that together with the fact that they've been through, you know, the hard times with alcohol and drugs and all that. And then they came out of it and they're in sobriety now, and now they're stronger and more focused than ever and more successful than ever. I just, they inspire me, man, those cats. They just inspire mm. me to, to uh, stay on the path that I'm on, you know. When the Dead Daisies opened for the Hollywood Vampires, did Marco Mendoza have his own Wayne's World moment? We're not worthy? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I've worked with, uh, with Alice and uh, I've met Joe. We worked with, uh, with Aerosmith and, uh, and that so on. We've, yeah. we've kind of been on the road on the same stage for quite a, quite a few years here and there. Uh, so more than anything, you just want to say hello. And yeah. pay your respects and say, hey, thanks for having us around. And 
uh, you know, we'll try to, uh, we'll try to, you know, give you a good show and, yeah. uh, and, uh, share the stage with you. That's about it. You know, a lot of respect. Absolutely. You try to show that without getting on your knees and kissing their feet, you know, because that would be out of line. Michael, I can't imagine you doing that, mate. I've got to be honest. <laughs> no, well, actually. You know, I've been known to do things like that. I'm very impulsive. I've, I've kind of learned. Now that I'm 85, I kind of keep, have to keep my cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, if you. If this if this Skype call actually had a visual, you would see that both Robbo and I are on our knees. We're doing the whole interview <laughs> on our knees because when we look at you and Karabi and Doug and all the guys, we feel like we're not worthy. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's all cool, man. Well, let's do some more hang and call me anytime. Let's do an update. And, um, you know, like I said, I'd love to, I love to share a little bit of where I've been and who I am today. Mm. And mostly, I love to share about sobriety because I know, I know for a fact that there's people out there that have hit a few walls and they don't know where to go. And I'm here to tell them, you know, hey, there's help out there. You just got to reach out. Robbo and I love the album Make Some Noise. And I've got to say, the last single that we have been playing and blasting here in the studio is joined together. And we thank you for joining together with us, the band. It's always such a treat and a privilege to spend time with you, mate. And and the time we spent with you um, together interviewing face-to-face, backstage at the Harley gig um, and on the show, it, um, it's a treat, mate. And I think it's, it's so noble of you just to open up and share your journey, your lessons, your philosophies, the learnings. It's um, it's really cool, mate. So thanks, Marco. Thank you, Gary and Rob. I really appreciate it, man. And, and, and I mean that from the gut. I really appreciate it for that opportunity. Okay, bro? Let's do it again soon. Good on you, mate. Peace. Peace. Bye. Peace out. <laughs> 31 days of pure mojo. Rocktober. On the Mojo Radio Show. You and I spent what, 25-odd years around media and rock stars and all that stuff. And, you know, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that alcohol and drugs are abundant in that industry. Mm. And for someone like Marco to turn his life around like that, when you're surrounded by those sort of influences, that must have just been so difficult for him if you want to get back to grit and and determination. Well, you could tie a lot of things back to Marco. I remember talking to him backstage at one of his gigs only last year and I was thanking him for being on the show and I said the stuff we talked about with sobriety was really cool. Could we talk about it some more? And he said, anything you want. He said, I am here. He literally said, I am here to serve. That's my meaning. It's my purpose in life is Mm -hmm. now share this story. So, Mm If you tie the whole thing back to what Tate said last week is asking the right question, how can I be of more service? How, how may I help more? Mm. Then Marco's a classic example. He's not here just to play music. He's really here to share his music and to share his message so that other people don't end up in that dark place. Absolutely. And, uh, and so I, I really hand it to the guy. and He's just a cool guy. He's just a really cool, loving guy to hang out with and to talk to and uh yeah, and a really good exactly what you show. see is what you get he's a good Absolutely. guy indeed yeah, yeah. it's rocktober on the mojo radio show hey mate uh We've got a bit of a Mojo Radio Show exclusive. Yeah, I'm excited about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost now, as excited about this as I was about Rocktober. <laughs> and Soap on a Rope. And Soap on a Rope. 
I'll put you in the picture, folks. We have produced our own coffee. This is not something we're selling. This is purely a thank you to anybody who leaves us a review on iTunes. Mm. The setup is we had a good mate of ours called Peter Harrison. He is from a roasting house called Fish River Roasters. Who Gary conveniently lives right next door to. (laughs) Yeah, he's two paddocks away. It's a quick stone's throw, literally. We got together and had this idea to do a product called the Buddha Brew. It's not for sale, but it is yours. It's a real coffee. And we got Pete on the line to talk about how this idea came to be, (laughs) what's in it, and to give you an idea, folks, this is actually a real brew blessed by a Buddhist monk. <laughs> so, Pete Harrison, welcome back to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Hey, Robo, Gary, how you Pete doing? Pete Harrison, happy Rocktober, mate. Yeah, happy Rocktober. <laughs> happy Rocktober right back at you. Glad to, glad to hear you're bringing the Rocktober back. Yeah, right. can't live without it, mate. We have got a special promotion, which is the French for promotion, for <laughs> Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. Now, Folks, let me give you a little bit of um, background of how this creative idea came to be. It was Christmas of 2015, and I was playing lawn bowls, barefoot lawn bowls, beer in hand. (laughs) Was he wearing his chaps? (laughs) And beer in one hand, balls in the other. And he was bowling as well. Lawn bowling. And we were talking about coffee. Now, I love getting together with people. At any, any time to talk about coffee. It's one of my favourite topics to discuss. And I'm chewing his ear off. And the conversation <laughs> segued, you see how the creative mind worked, this conversation segued from lawn bowls into brew into Buddha. And he was telling me about a meditation retreat he'd been on with a true Buddhist monk. If you put all those things together, you end up with the Buddha brew. And the idea was formed that night over a few beers lawn on some pretty damn cold lawn too, I've got to say. Uh, Pete, tell us about the idea, mate. What, what are we offering here? Yeah, well, you know, the funny sort of um, postscript to that story, Gary, is the monk, the Buddhist monk in question, loves his coffee as well and has actually came came here to Fish River HQ and, and and we did a whole sort of tasting with him and the whole shebang. So, and, and he was talking about how, you know, during those long meditations and, and uh, you know, long sort of Buddhist services that the coffee's actually quite, quite important just to stay awake. I don't think anyone of any religious faith has probably been in a service of that sort of nature and uh, and struggled to stay awake. So there's, there's coffee plays a key role, <laughs> key role in in that uh, part of part of life. So um, yeah, I guess that's. So the idea was that you know this Buddha brew. Okay, so the you know with and Gary and I were sort of workshopping. Okay, where can we draw uh, you know the inspiration for this blend from? So we thought. Right, we'll take some coffees from different countries that represent different religions. So we thought we'd start with uh, some coffee out of Yemen, so a Middle Eastern coffee, because then you're sort of covering your major bases there with your Christianity, your uh, Judaism and, and, and the Islamic faith. We'll pull in a bit of coffee from Ethiopia because uh, that's the birthplace of coffee. Also, the uh, the spiritual home of the Rastafarians. So, you know, very Ooh. important religion to cover there. 
well known for their coffee loving as well as their other herbal tonics. <laughs> and so, Herbs, yeah, mine. <laughs> so we thought a bit of an Ethiopian in there. Uh, then I've got a coffee called a Barley God Mountain. And uh, I thought, oh, well, oh, we're going hello. down the spiritual line. We're throwing a bit of Barley God Mountain. Um, and then... To, to wrap all that together, we've got an Indian coffee in there. So that sort of covers our, our Hindu and, and our Buddhist base there. So we sort of compiled a coffee blend based on all these religious sort of elements, wrap them all together, hopefully find some divination through caffeination. That's how we're working it. <laughs> nice. So, so here's the deal, Robbo. This is pretty cool, mm. actually. So... Pete and I have been working on this, and folks, this is a real coffee. Like, we're not, we're, we've actually got a real brew together here. We have actually real labels made, real packaging, and it can be yours. But the deal is, you've got to leave a review to get the brew. So, <laughs> you, you have to go onto iTunes, go into the ratings and reviews, leave us just one line. Just leave us a line. As soon as we see it, we'll be in touch. Leave a review, and the brew is yours. No review? No brew. <laughs> now, now, the other thing to remember too is this is a limited edition, right? We're not talking like hundreds of bags of this stuff. There's only a few, yeah? Absolutely, because we're, we're paying Pete for this. We're paying good money for this coffee, <laughs> folks, so you can have to work That's for right. it. That's right. And given that you're paying for it and giving it away for free, I'm prepared to offer a double your money back guarantee <laughs> if, you, if you don't improve your spiritual life by at least 50%. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's fun with this, Robbo? Is uh, I was in a fish river roast a couple of Thursdays ago, and uh, Pete and I were doing what they call a cupping, which is where you <laughs> go through an actual certified process to say how, what is this this brew about, yep. aroma, taste, the profile. It's, it's yep. actually very scientific. I'm sure. So it we is. did that, and then Pete sent me an email with the serving instructions for the Buddha brew for the Mojo Radio Show. And the serving instructions are. Keep drinking this coffee until you see God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good to me. So there you go, I'm folks. I'm sipping on it now. I'm actually sipping on a bit of the Buddha brew as we nice. speak. Yeah, so uh, it's certainly real, folks, and it, it, I'd encourage everyone to jump online and, and, and get the, the their reviews in on iTunes. And, of course, uh, then uh, Gary and Rob, I will send you a bag of the Buddha brew. Absolutely. Yeah, go and, for it. And... Uh, Thank you to all our friends at Fish River Roasters, who are mm. one of our favourite brewers in the world. We love it. Pete, you're a champion. To SJ from Pod Create, who we will have to get on the phone and actually talk about because she designed the label for us. It's a real brew, folks. Do a review and you'll get the brew. We promise you so well. <laughs> <laughs> it's only for October. It's a bit of fun, but it, it is actually a, a top brew. We'll actually love it. We're not selling it. This is not a sponsorship or an advertising thing for anybody. It's just fun that came from lawn bowls, beers, <laughs> brew, and a Buddhist monk. And I'm glad you were honest say- about the beers because I was going to say you weren't drinking coffee at the time you came up with no, this, no, surely. No, no, there was, no, we were, we were drinking, uh, drinking, hello, our friends at Corona. Um, <laughs> and uh, is it fair to say, Pete, that because your Buddhist monk was in the house at Fish River Roast, is that each one of these bags has been blessed by a would that be stretching the Buddhist monk's robes a little far to say that 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 it's been blessed by Buddhist monk? Oh, look, I think people will draw their own conclusions as they drink the brew. How about that, Gary? We'll be on safe terms. I'm glad we are 
I'm glad we are giving it away too, since we are appropriating many people's religious beliefs, pretty much every religious belief we can, can find. It's nice they're actually giving it away rather than selling it for commercial gain. So, the Mojo <laughs> Radio Show, Buddha Brood, Divination Through Caffeination. Leave a review, get the brood. <laughs> Keep drinking until you see God. Guys, if we can come up with any more rhymes too, guys, send them in and we might even shoot you back a coffee just for that. <laughs> just, for, just for rhyming taglines on the Buddha Proof. Beautiful. Uh, Pete Harrison, you're one of our best mates at the show, buddy. Uh, this is super, super cool. Folks, we're going to put all the, all the details up on Facebook so you can see the actual brew. You can see that it exists. Uh, but test us out. Leave a review. See what happens. Oh, look! It's great to be a part of the uh, part of the operation there on the the Rocktober. Thanks, boys, for bringing that back too. That that really takes me back to the eighties. That's fantastic. <laughs> on the Mojo Radio Show, it's Rocktober. This is Tate Fletcher from Pirate Life Radio. You're listening to the Mojo Radio Show. Get it right for Rocktober. It's such a cool thing. I think I love about it is we're not, it's actually not a thing to make us money. It's just, no. if people leave a review, yeah. they get the brew. Yeah. So, how is that being of service? The more reviews we get, the more it hits us up the iTunes charts, which means more people find us and mm. we can help more people get their mojo working. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. So, that's where the rubber hits the road. However, it's a real brew and it's bloody good. It's a real good brew. Absolutely. To create the Mojo Radio Show Buddha Brew, we've taken some of the finest beans from world centres of religion. From the Middle East, we take coffee from Yemen. We added coffee from India, home of Hinduism and Buddhism. Then we added a touch of Ethiopian coffee from the home of Rastafarians and the birthplace of coffee. And we've packed it up with just the right yin and yang to pass on all the karma the Dalai Lama intended. The Mojo Radio Show Buddha Brew. Divination through caffeination. To get your hands on this full-bodied spiritual blend, just go to iTunes and leave us a review. Serving instructions. Keep drinking this coffee until you see God. Greetings to you, the lucky finder of this golden ticket from Mr. Willy Wonka. Present this ticket at the factory gates at 10 o'clock in the morning of the first day of October and do not be late. I... I'm going to take us out today with a very different direction, Robbo. This is almost a bit of a gone but not forgotten. Close. This is. And this is a, uh, a gone gone but still admired. Mm. And it's a guy and a piece of music that I, every time I hear it, just slows me down and makes me reflect and grab my journal and start to write. And it inspires me to find new ideas. And we're talking about Gene Wilder. And we lost him recently, but he's certainly not forgotten. And... Mm. It's a piece from the famous movie called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and it's all about imagination. And I just want to preface it with a story that when Gene Wilder was eight years old, his mother had a heart attack, mm. and he took it upon himself to try and cheer her up. He said, it was the first time I ever tried consciously to make someone else laugh. He said, and when I was successful, after pink her pants... His mother said, oh, Jerry, now look what you've made me do. He said, when your mother gives you the confidence about anything that you do, you carry that confidence with you. She made me believe that I could make someone laugh. And she made him believe and he made us laugh. And I just think 
a great way to finish up week two, Robbo, is to play this song from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory called Imagination. What do you reckon? Nice. In your words, we're out. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin Traveling in the world of my creation What we'll see will defy Explanation If you want to view paradise Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it Hurry up, Violet! This way, Grandpa! No life I know to compare with pure imagination Living there you'll be free If you truly wish to be Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it I know to compare with your imagination living there you'll be free if you truly Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au. 
and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.